0: This is the Endurance
1: Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. This is one of those Sundays where I feel like like the message has already been preached and God has already moved and we're, we're done, but there's still a message at the end of this, so... Um, I'm thankful to be able to preach to you this this Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of people who obviously who, who made it, but there's a lot of people who didn't make it as well. So let's just keep when you don't see somebody show up, always pray for them. You never know what's going on in someone's life. And uh, people always need prayer. So that's one thing you can always do. Uh this is uh Resurrection Sunday. This is the you know, in my opinion, high point of the of the year. Uh, Not just because people come to church, but it's a day we kind of like get reinvigorated. We have hope in our hearts because we know that even though death is a very real reality for for a lot of us, um, for all of us actually, that uh, Jesus Christ actually uh, paved a way so that we could actually live forever. So um, it's not the end. Death is not the end. It's a, it's a pause. And to be honest, uh, when you do die, you're going to open your you're going to open your eyes up into eternity, um, and um, you'll see you'll see God. So uh, so even though right now his body is wasting away, the Bible says internally we are being renewed day day by day. Uh, so take heart. Um, if this clicker works, we're going to be cooking with grease. Yes! Um, we've been talking about the prodigal son uh, the last three weeks, and I thought we were going into Revelation, but we actually continue on today, this uh, Resurrection Sunday, um, concluding, I think, this uh, particular portion of Scripture regarding the prodigal son. And, um, and this is a part of the scripture that I love. Uh, we, we highlighted the last couple of months that what Jesus was kind of getting at, or Luke was, in writing about the prodigal son. We know in chapter 15, Luke is coming from, Luke is talking about Jesus coming from northern Israel going all the way down to Jerusalem. And, and while he's going down, he's sending his disciples out, about 70 of them, and they're telling people the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God is coming. And when Jesus comes to that city, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, the issue is, as Jesus is going down, it's not the uh, socioeconomic elite or religious elite who are actually attracted to Jesus at first. Who it is is actually the poor, the broken, the destitute, the people who the Bible calls sinners, uh, the people who the Bible calls tax collectors people who actually have disabilities. These people who at that time, theologically, people thought if you had a disability, you were a sinner. So, so these are the ones who are attracted to Jesus as he's going down. And when he gets down into the Jerusalem area, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or religious leaders, accost him. They challenge Jesus. They basically say, do you look at who he's hanging with? These, these sinners, And Jesus gives three uh, successive parables, basically making the same point, that the Father is rejoicing at the response of these sinners to his open invitation to receive the kingdom. In contrast to the Pharisees and Sadducees, who, in a sense, were aloof or distant, they said, okay, that's not a message we like. We like what you're doing, Jesus. We don't like what you're saying. Because the implication of what Jesus taught is everybody, everyone, is just as needy for God to save them. Now, the problem with that is in a religious monarchy or a theocracy or a religious-dominated culture, you, in a sense, climbed up the social strata, not because you memorized the entire Old Testament, or at least the first five books of the law, but you were perceived as someone who was holy, as righteous, so to be honest, these Pharisees—well, these Pharisees specifically, not the Sadducees—but the Pharisees were better people than we are. they, they were good people. Like if you, we—we we, we point at them and we make fun of the Pharisees, but they were actually good people. They probably were like the best human beings who ever lived on the earth by their own strength. Jesus said, "If your righteousness does not surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees." you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we know we don't get into the kingdom of heaven based upon our own righteousness, but because of Jesus, because of what he accomplished on the cross. But think about it. These, these guys, they have memorized the entire first five books of the Bible. Who in here has memorized two chapters? <laughs> yeah, okay. Of Genesis. Of Leviticus, right? (laughs) Of Deuteronomy. Mm, Pastor, stop. I ain't memorized that. That's hard reading right there. They have memorized it all. Not only that, they knew the Torah, they knew the Mishnah. Those were the commentaries that were written in Babylon about the Torah. They had it all memorized. And not only that, they knew the Talmud. So they knew everything, quote unquote, written at the time about godliness. They had it all memorized, and they tried their best to be righteous in God's eyes. But God said their righteousness was just like a what? Filthy rag. So even though these were the best people, and a lot of us look at them and we chide them and we look at them pejoratively or negatively, but, but they were good people. They just weren't God. They missed the mark. And as a result, they knew what Jesus was saying was completely throwing their world order in the trash. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. And the Bible says he who is least is the greatest. And the problem is even today we still struggle to be number 1 but God's like that's still not how it works. We we look for power but really it's about giving power away. We look for notoriety but it's really about giving other people notoriety. It's like that's how God's kingdom works. And you begin to look in your life at those people who have understood the message of the kingdom. You look for humility. You look for those people who point to Jesus. Regardless of their social status, do they simply trust the words of God? Do they humble themselves? And that's what happened here. These these people who were poor are running to Jesus and they're being saved in contrast to the people who were righteous. And now at the end of these parables, it, it comes to this part where it talks about the, the prodigal son coming home. And w- what you have to understand in this uh, scripture is that this, this prodigal son is really not the point of the scripture. Did I mic go down a little bit? It was just me pulling it away. You turned it down? Okay. You're, oh, I was like, I hear myself. I was gone, right? <laughs> I was like, we used to have monitors. We don't have those anymore. I remember Miss missed those. I'm just throwing a hint right there. <laughs> So nevertheless, um, think about this. In that time, um, being insulted was the worst sin, right? Like, if you insult somebody, that was a a heinous sin. So when the youngest son asked for the father to give him his inheritance while the father was still alive, that was tantamount to saying, you're dead to me. Give me all my stuff, and I'm out of here. And usually people stop at that point, right? Because they said, this young son, and and then when he comes back home, most people think that should be the end of the parable because we we got all we need, but it continues. Because the point of the parable to Jesus isn't even this young man who came back because this young man who came back home represents the broken people, the poor. Now, was this older son, the ones who the crowd would listen to because that represented them. The older son stayed home. He was right. He was doing good. He was the one sitting at home doing his work the way his dad, in his mind, thought he wanted him to do it. The the older son was righteous. But the problem is, he was just as far away from God as the younger son. And what you see as a continuity between the younger son's action and the older son's action is they both only use the father for his resources. That's what they cared about the most. The youngest son was like, Give it to me now, and I'm gonna go out and party. I don't wanna go there. So, anyway, he was like, <laughs> He was like partying, or he was at least trying to do something. Maybe, maybe he was trying to do something. But anyway, he, he lost, he squandered it, he wasted it. Now, the older son, we know what happens. We all know the story. He comes back and he sees like, his younger son having this party, he gets upset. Now his, his the older son, he he has all the rest of the inheritance, or so we think. But nevertheless, he's like, "You didn't even give me a goat. Me and my friends didn't even get a goat, and you you cut the up the sacrifice the fatted bull. Yes, he's like, what in the world?" Because the older son's worried about his, his resources because now what's left is supposed to be what? His. He said, you didn't even give me a party, to be my friends. We didn't even give so much as a goat. And you're giving this man the, the big bull? Now, when you sacrifice an animal that large during that day and time in a small community, that meant not only will your family eat because they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have ice boxes, You know what that meant? That meant the whole community was going to eat. They're like, this is the best party ever. What do we celebrate? I don't know. But this is some good bull. (laughs) Just pass the A1 sauce, please. They're having this party over this young man who was in sin coming home. Now, this is the part I looked at the scripture, and there's a lot of significance here. Because Jesus is telling this parable, and he's actually kind of like going at these religious leaders. Because the father comes and does something embarrassing. See, it's in the first century, a Middle Eastern man never ran, right, uh, Matt Williams. He goes on, he says, if he were to run, he would have to hitch up his tunic. Tunic is kind of like a, a dress in that day and time. They, they, he would, to, to, for him to actually run, he would actually have to hitch it up, tie it up, and show his what? His legs. And it says, if he, if he did this, it would show his bare legs. In that culture, it was humiliating and shameful for a man to show his bare legs. Now, that culture is not this culture. But in that culture, that was humiliating. And, and, and the hearer would be like, what is happening? Like, why would he embarrass himself over somebody who just simply disrespected him? Like, that is crazy. The story isn't about the prodigal sons. It's about the prodigal Father. This resurrection Sunday is really all about him. He he's running to us all. He he's he's embarrassing himself. He 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 Jesus died on the cross in shame. Biblically you know he didn't have any clothes on when he was on the cross. We see the pictures because we want to make it very PG at least. But he was actually completely nude on the cross. It was a shameful thing, but he did it just for you. He took the shame and it was important that he died that way so that you know God loves you without any reservations. He gave it all. What would he do to prove to you that He He loved you. He He already did it. He sent His Son to the cross. He gave His very best, the fatted calf. Now, we, we know he, he gave the, the in a sense, ran out to a son, which was embarrassing, and, and He even gave His son his what? His ring. Now, what's, what's weird about that is that's like a, a sign of authority. It's almost like He's restoring what his son lost, we'll go there on another Sunday. I'm just trying to say, the son came back. He didn't have to worry about his future. Remember Joseph? When he got the ring from Pharaoh, he was what? Second in command. Remember who actually in the Old Testament ran out to, to Jacob? Who was it that ran out to, to Jacob. Esau, his brother, the bad guy, the one the Bible says the Lord hates. Now, if Esau could run out to Jacob, being a man who doesn't care about the things of God, then why can't these Pharisees and Sadducees run out to these broken people? It was a slight to them. This, this fatted calf that we're going to talk about the bull, that, that reminds them of... Cain and Abel. Abel gave the the fatted sheep, the the best. And who who killed him? Abel was killed by Cain, his brother. Jesus is talking to them in a language they very much understand. And they knew what he was saying. They They didn't leave doubting. They said, he is talking about me. But this is the awesome thing about God. This is why I love this. Watch the scriptures. So I had to throw this back in here because I just love this part. It says when he, he arose, this is the fa- He arose, young man, and came to his father. Um, but when he was still a great way off. Now, this, this father, I, he, he's not in shape. I don't see him, like, going to L.A. Fitness. I don't see him doing MMA. I don't see him, like, working out. He, he must be. But, but he ran a long way, you all. Now, for me, I'm going to give you a good 10 yards of hard running. <laughs> After that, I'm done. But his Scripture says, like, what? But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran. He ran a long way. And, and he didn't get embarrassed the entire run. I wonder if people saw him running like, what in the Sam Hill is going on there? What is he doing? Running, showing his legs out in public like that. Who's he running? His son? This guy is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He's off. No, his father is rejoicing. He's celebrating. His son who is dead is alive. It's almost like how we're going to celebrate in eternity. Once we're there, we're going to be like, we made it. And we're going to be running a long way. I'll have some wind at that point with my resurrected body. I'll be, you can't catch me. Chris, you may have ran, and I'm going to run you down. I'm going to pray for a resurrected body that can run. I like this part, though. This is where it gets really good. It says, and now his older son was in the field. What is he doing in the field, you all? He's working. He's doing his father's work. The Jewish people at the time, they were doing God's work. They were doing, in their mind, the right thing. They were right. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard what? Music and dancing. What is he here? He's hearing the whole community eating that bull. He's like, what is going on? He's actually hearing them dance, right? Like, come on, how hard you got to be dancing for someone to hear that you actually dancing, right? Like, you, you're getting it. It goes on and says, so, now listen to this. So he called what? One of, wait a minute. What, why did he go in the house? He, he called a servant. He is already ticked. He didn't even go in the house. Dad. He was like, hey, come here. What's going on? So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And this is what the servant said to him. Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. He's safe, and your father is rejoicing. And that that sound you hear, we're all celebrating, we're all thankful. He's alive. Was his response? I observe an ideological contrast here. All these people are rejoicing, but in contrast to that, he was angry and would not go in. Now, if it stopped right there, Jesus would have made his point, but this is why this scripture is so amazing. Remember, when he saw a son, what did he do? He what? He ran out to him because he was lost and he was now home. But he was angry, not going, therefore, his father did what? Came out to him. This awesome dad. Remember, this is insulting. Like, people know what's going on. He called the servant. Now, the servant has to go back and say, your son won't won't come in. You got to go out to him. Oh, he tried you, bro. He tried you. What you going to do? What you going to do? Therefore, his father came out to him again, to this other son. Like, how much love do you have, man? Like, shouldn't one of these guys deserve a, a beat down? Some rock bottom elbow. Some, and you're still embarrassing yourself. Over these kids who don't care about you, who are using you, who just want you for your resources? This is the part I really like. And it says, and pleaded with him. Now, this is why I love going into the Bible. The Greek, this word pleaded, it means parakletos. Does anybody know what parakletos means? Comfort or what we call the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. He, he went out and, and begged him. And, and that's what was happening at that moment. Jesus was begging these Pharisees and said these hard-hearted religious leaders, come in and celebrate. Come in and celebrate. See, the truth is, both of the sons were lost. We call the parable what we want to call the parable. But the point of the parable is this father's amazing love. And today on Resurrection Sunday, we, we celebrate God's amazing love. Man, we have messed up. Am I the only one up in here? I have messed up, you all. I've blown it. Time and time <laughs> and time again. He knew I was going to blow it. Time And time and time again. But he still ran out to me. Like, he loves you. Get that fearful thought out of your mind. Now, the point is, you didn't earn that love. I don't care if you were the prodigal son, the young one, or the older one. None of us did. But we have a God that's so good. Regardless of where we are at, he will run out to us embarrassing himself if need be, to bring you back home. Got a couple points we're done for the day. The Father has the capacity to love you deeply despite where you may be mentally or emotionally. Sometimes I'm not just there, you all. Sometimes emotionally, I'm just not there. Sometimes I'm emotionally immature. Sometimes mentally not there. But regardless of how much I blow it or in which way I blow it or how off my motives are, when I blow it, (laughs) well, he's, he's still running out to me. He hasn't given up on me, and he hasn't given up on you. And while we have light, while it's day, let's keep coming back to him. He loves us all the way. So this is the point. You need to understand Who can love you the most? My wife loves me, and nobody can love me like my wife can love me on this planet Earth. No one. In eternity past, or eternity, my wife is the only one who can love me the way she can love me. It's over. However, despite how much my wife can love me in all the right ways, it's nothing compared to Jesus. And despite how much I can love her like nobody else can love her, I can't come close to loving her the way God does. And that was a thought that was hard for me to reconcile that my, my God, our God, loves us more than anybody. He even loves our, our children more than we can love them. You know, we hold your kid and you love him and you see him grow up and see him like God loves them more. He has a plan for their life too. You gotta trust Him. So we need to rest in His merciful love. While you have this opportunity to rest in God's love, rest. That's the one thing you shouldn't have to worry about. Does God love you? He loves you completely. Why you need to know this? So that you'll know how to run. You'll know who to run to first when you need love. So I know for me, um, you know, when I was little and stuff went wrong, I ran to my, my mom or my grandma. If she was around. Whoa, whoa, mommy. I didn't run to my dad because, right, because he'd be like, get up, boy. Get out of there. <laughs> That's what my dad did. Get your. Dad, my leg is it's on, it's on top of Highway 7. Go get your leg. Get out. My face. Talking that mess. <laughs> My mom, though, she would be there, like, you know, trying to comfort me as much as she could. My grandma, she'd even do, oh, baby, come here. But but there's one that if you spend the time with him and you know he's really real and you begin to engage with him more and more, you'll realize that he's always been there. You just got to go to him First. They had this song when I was in church and they would say, ain't nobody can love you like Jesus. Yep. Ain't nobody. Like that's real. Even after all these years, he's still the lover of your soul. My hope for you today is that on this Resurrection Sunday, you remember, recognize, how much you're loved. You see, I showed that video at first to, to make a, a point, to, to drop a seed, that the world is trying to tell you that God is not loving, that he is not good. I showed you the video, right? That lady, she was, <laughs> what? She, and I, I saw you doing, shake your head like, what in the world? First time I saw it, I'm like, this cannot be real. Like, they, they paid her, but if, the, if you keep watching the video, more and more people come in and they all start standing up and sitting down based upon the bomb and it gets full again Everybody and nobody knows why what in the world is going on but they're just standing up and sitting down we're sheep and, and, and I, I intentionally put the video about the media after that because I want to let you know what the button is like we are being manipulated and controlled to think that God is our enemy that Christianity is not true. I know in your workplaces they're they're telling you to, to conceal your faith, to accept whatever the world says to be true. That's you gotta accept it, or 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 you're intolerant. Like we are in a cold culture war. It's real. But understand the war is not against you, it's a war between heaven. between those prince of power is in power, those spiritual forces in wicked places and high places that are fighting against God. As long as he has these people who are these spiritual beings are working alongside of these humans that are in rebellion against God. They're, They're fighting for your soul. And they're trying to do the one thing Satan has done from the very beginning. Just make you doubt that God has, that God has your best intention in mind. If I do it God's way, I'll miss out. I'll lose out. If I do it God's way, I'll, I won't be happy. If I do it God's way, things won't turn out the way I want them to turn out. But he's good. He's always going to be good. You know, when the young man came back home, both of them, the dad did not change. <laughs> he didn't change. He welcomed the son back. And he's like, now you're up under my house again what I say (laughs) he didn't change but the son recognized it's better to be in his house out there in the world that's warring against his soul so remember our loving God wants you back oh let me say this our loving God wants you to love him back so I always read like in my brain it's always going somewhere else like that makes sense He wants you to love him back. That's what it was about the entire time. What's the greatest commandment? There you go. Love God with all of your being. Isn't that funny? Like that's what God is looking for. You, he wants you, he wants you to love him. What does he have to do to prove, to show you he's a gentleman? He's kind. He has your best interest in mind. We talked about it about three weeks ago. He may be like, he may be the nerd guy. God's like that shy guy in the corner. Everybody's like, oh, he's the shy guy. I ain't going to talk to him. I want a man who's like loud. A man who's cool, right? God ain't like that. He's a gentleman. And he'll be a gentleman forever. But he wants you to love him back. What'd you learn today? Is anybody bold this year on this Resurrection Sunday? you might learn anything. Just yell it out. So, love God with all your heart. What difference does it make in your life if you love God with all your heart? Say it again. Makes all the difference. So what can you do? Love God with your heart because it makes all the difference. What can you do with that information? Anybody? Say it again. Is that you leave here and tell somebody about God's amazing love? And that you also rest in the fact that God loves you unconditionally. Can we pray? Father God, thank you this morning for a great resurrection Sunday, Lord God. I ask you, Lord God, to to seal in our hearts what we heard. And I pray, Father God, that we use it for your greater glory. I pray, Father God, that this Sunday, Lord God, that those people who lost their lives because of bombings and because of persecution, Father God, I pray, Father God, that they're right now being welcomed to your everlasting arms, Lord. I pray for their families, Father God, who woke up this morning, Lord God, thinking they're going to have a great day of church and lost their loved ones at church. I pray, Father God, that they'll draw their strength from your Holy Spirit, the paracletos, Lord. I pray you give them the comfort they need, Lord God. And even those people who planted the bombs, Lord God, I pray they're saved. And I pray, Father God, these these groups of people, Lord God, those people lost their lives and those people took them, will be rejoicing together forever in heaven. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, just head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.
0: you father your fit. Your kindness makes us whole.